So when we talk about persecution, um, what are your first thoughts when you hear that word, persecution, namely persecution of, the, of Christians? What comes to, to mind? Or even trials? Nero. Nero? Okay, yeah. Well, that, uh, July of 64, are you talking about burning the city? Yeah, um, 64 A.D., that kind of people see that as the, the beginning of uh, persecution of Christians in the church. Um, yeah, I think it's going on before that, but yes, that was certainly a, uh, he found opportunity to, uh, to blame Christians. Um, persecution trials, what, when, you, when you have them in your life, how do you, how do you feel about them, just honestly? You'll love them. Thank you, Eugene. I love comfort. Let me just be honest with you. I love comfort. I don't like trial. I don't like uh, conflict. Um, so I, I'm glad to hear you, you love them. <laughs> I know, it was sarcasm. Uh, any, anything else? Anybody else? Yeah, and so that's really what we're going to kind of go over today. One of the reasons bring it up is the, you know, the prophets suffered persecution. And so when I brought, you know, this has been a month or so ago, Mark says, hey, I'm going to be out today. Would you want to teach? And I'm like, okay, well, I had this in mind. I don't know how it connects. He says, no, that's perfect, you know. So, um, yes, Jenna. Well, I was just thinking about his message today, too. Yeah. Right, um, and as we'll we'll kind of cover, you know, it's like persecution in the sense we're talking about is unique to to Christians. Um, it's because, and we'll get into a definition. So I'm, I'm kind of like <laughs> getting ahead of myself, and I don't want to do that too much. But yeah, um, how people go through trials as an unbeliever, um, it, it's it bewilders me. You know, if you have no hope, you and, and you see them go through it. Uh, one of the weirdest things I ever experienced in my life was um, a funeral, actually, on your side, right? Um, where one side of the family was saved, the other side of the family, or were in Christ, the other side of the family had no faith. And it was weird because you had this whole group that kind of sat together and everything, and they were just weeping and 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 with no hope, weeping. I mean, a you know the, you know the, I, I don't want to be disrespectful. But it was like a blubbering. Ah, uh, you know this is, this is tragic. And then you had the other side, and there's weeping going on, but not the same not the same way it was just like and they were remembering oh you know who was it your uncle. uncle yeah name they're like he was he was a song leader and oh you know he's in i just can imagine he, he's in heaven and he's singing and it's just you know he, he's he's walking the streets he's with his savior and it was it was a we miss him He's, you know, but we are going to see him again. The others are just like, this is the end. This is it. It's over. I will never, you know, and so that was, was strange. So, yeah, um, trials, persecution, um, if we did not have the Holy Spirit. Wow. Um, yeah. Any, any other thoughts that come to mind when you think about persecution or hear the word persecution? I would say purpose. Purpose? What, what do you mean? Yeah. I can think this in hindsight of persecution, but right. even for a non-believer, um, yeah. people don't suffer for no reason. Right. Like as opposed to like an animal. You know, that's right. why um, remember when we were um, about to euthanize our, our dog, you know, uh, well he's suffering, so right. you want that. And well you don't do that to a person. Right. Um, because 
yeah, there's a purpose for, for the, the trials, there's a purpose for, um, for persecution. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, in, in you, like you're saying, we, and it was in uh, Romans, it talks about, and I can't remember who, he, um, Paul's talking about how uh, God hardened the heart of, I don't know if it was Pharaoh or who, but, um, but it was, God just allowed his heart to be even more of what it already was. So God does use, I think you're talking a little bit about God's sovereign, sovereignty. I mean, there's reasons, there's purposes for the things that happen in our lives. And so we'll, we'll touch on that. And so, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, go God ahead. gave us animals to comfort us. Right? Yeah. And, but they don't have souls. Right. And right. so the purpose, they go through what they go through, and it's the end. For us, it's not. And the whole right. purpose of everything we do is to bring glory to God. Right. We are made in the image of God and, and to and bring glory. He, right. Whether people will glorify him, he will be glorified. Right. Regardless, in the end, he'll be glorified. Right. So I'm going to need some help. So if you feel like you could help me read some scripture verses, that'd be great. Because what we're doing is really kind of a topical study on persecution, and we're just going to go through. I want to, you know, focus on New Testament, the church, and uh, so it'll be in the New Testament. So if somebody could hang out in the Gospels, and then somebody could hang out in Acts, and then someone in like First Peter, James. First Peter, first and second Peter, uh, first and second John. Okay, that area, that would be helpful, and, and you know we can kind of share. Um, it doesn't have to just be three people. So, um, so I don't have. Okay, so a definition of persecution, and I, I looked online and I looked in the the outline of biblical use, and uh, some of the the, the the meanings or notations for the word persecution, and uh, probably in uh, in First Peter, was to to persecute. Of course, I mean, that's kind of a bad definition of persecution is to persecute, right? Use the same word. Um, to be mistreated, suffer persecution on the account of something. I think that's a really good um, definition. It talks about to pursue after with hostility could be another kind of meaning. Um, so on the account of something, and so we're gonna kind of go, so what's the definition and then why is it happening? And we'll talk about uh, for the account of something. What is that something? Why, why are Christians persecuted? And actually, <laughs> uh, Romans that we read today, Romans 8, 7, is a great verse that I don't have down here that you may want to write down and we can look at it. Um, if somebody wants to grab that real quick, that would be fantastic. Actually, I got it right here. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile, hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, neither can it. So we're Christians, we're bearing the image of Christ. We've been brought to life. We have the Holy Spirit. For that, re, you know, for that cause, what is it, why do we get persecuted? Well, because we are not operating in the flesh, at least we shouldn't be. We're operating in the Spirit. And that operation in the Spirit convicts people. Um, I wrote down here, so, um, so anyway, so you got the definition to, you know, to, to come after somebody hostily, to, uh, to harass them or trouble them, okay? And the reason being is because the world is hostile towards God, and we're, we're the image bearers. We are the, all of man is image bearer of God, but um, since the fall, we are the ones that are bearing his image here. We are his ambassadors. We are the, the, as the body of Christ, we are his hands and feet in this world. And thus, that same hostility that's being shown to God the Father ends up becoming, reflecting on us. We get that same sort of hostility. So, 
Um, so why this subject? Somebody, let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Um, Matthew chapter 5. If somebody could read 10 and 12, 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteous sake, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others devour you, persecute you, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. So they persecuted you, prophets, who were before you. Yeah. So one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about this today was because they, they persecute the prophets. We're talking about the prophets. We're going through the latter prophets. And so that was kind of the impetus of, of my kind of selecting this even before. But another reason before that was we've had um, within this church, and I'm not going to go into any details, people who've you know gotten baptized, who've suffered some what I would consider modern-day persecution from their immediate family because their family did not agree with it. And so, I mean, when you think about it, that, that's pretty amazing, you know? You know, in today's enlightened world where everybody's got their, you know, your way is as good as my way, then why would somebody be so upset when somebody's taking their stand for Christ? Um, you know, go ahead. Yeah. Well, to some degree, yeah, yeah. some degree. Um, I guess I'm just thinking about the situation you're talking about there, is that there was fear. Um, so some of it, loss of control, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't mean to derail. No, no, I'm that's, just, that's, really no. trying to understand for myself. Yeah, I, I think maybe, I think maybe you say the fear um, on a lost person's part, I would say probably what you said, the fear is driven by a loss of control. Mm -hmm. Their need to control, uh, their need to be a small case God, you know, small case G. Um, so, yeah, I could see that. Um, All people are in rebellion against God. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, you got those that aren't in rebellion, and you got those that are. So right. Right. And, and as as Christians, if we, the more we are, and, it, and what I'm hoping to do is encourage you to see um, persecution as a blessing and persecution as something that's integral to the Christian life. Because Scripture says that, not because Sean's saying it. I just want you to, we're going to stop and go through a lot of Scripture if we can. Um, but yes. People are hostile towards God, and they, therefore they're going to be hostile towards us. Um, I think I lost my train on that a little bit. But, um, yeah, okay, so can you read also uh, verses 13 and, and through 16 in that same chapter? You can see there, you, you can see some of the what he's already read, some of the behaviors that we ought to, what I'm trying to separate this in, in, into is what we should know, and then what we should do. And you can see a lot of these things that Christ is saying here, this is Christ speaking, that, uh, you know, blessed are you when others revile you and you are persecuted. Um, say all kinds of, they malign you, they say all kinds of false things on your account. Rejoice and be glad in it. That's counterintuitive, right? And people get very frustrated if they're the ones persecuting and you're like, yeah. You know, I'm rejoicing in this. I'm happy. That makes them infuriated, right? So anyway, um, 13 through 16, please. You are salt of the earth. The salt has lost its taste. How shall its saltness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on the people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a light lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand Okay. In the same way, let your light shine for others so that they may see your good works and your glory to your Father who is in heaven. So there's a, there's a living your life in the light 
living your life open, living your good works out there. And again, to a world that's living in the flesh is going to be, it's going to engender hostility. That's where I was going is, okay, so you're going through persecution, be more led by the Spirit, be in God's Word, do more good works, which is then going to probably lead to more persecution. But we have to entrust ourselves to God, right, and His sovereignty, and realize that, like he said, like Pastor Rich was saying, the Iron Dome, nothing gets through that unless the Lord allows it, if we are in Christ, okay? So we have to realize persecution comes. There's a reason for it. I may never know what it is, okay? But there's a reason for it. It may be to grow and shape me. It may be to grow and shape somebody else. It may be that I can go and use that, as the Bible says, to comfort somebody with the same comfort wherewith I've been comforted, right? So just keep those things in mind. But it's, it's kind of like, okay, as I was going through this, it's like, yeah, I encourage people, you know, when they're going through persecution. But the more you, you know, you, it, it, you realize it dawns on you. It's like, okay, well, this could bring more persecution. Yes, so Nancy. So when we were moving out of our townhouse, we'd hired a young man um, that did it as a side job. And, of course, coming into our home, it's very clear where our faith is. Mm. And so he was very open about where he was at. He was about to get baptized. And so a couple of weeks later, when he came to visit me, he goes, oh, everything's just falling apart. You know, I lost my job. This happened, that happened. I'm like, well, Charlie, you just made a public declaration of what you believe. Of course, that was going to happen. Yeah. And like yeah. the light bulb went on. Good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so that's, you don't that's... recognize it when you're in it. Right. Yeah, hindsight really helps. Mm -hmm. And that's where we'll talk about you need the body of Christ. So other people have gone through it. And you were able to point out to this young man, hey, you've made a public profession, and this is what naturally comes. you know. And I think, you know, I, without getting into all the things that are going on in life, another reason that I wanted to talk about this is I can see it. You can see the clouds on the horizon, okay? I think persecution is coming. And I think we, as a church, we really need to think about this. And we need to value our, our gathering together, as we'll read about. And we need to help one another, provoke one another love and good works. Hang in there. It's worth it. Um, what can they take from us that hasn't been given to us by God? They can't take away the spirit that lives in us because we're in Christ and Christ is in us, okay? So that's where I'm trying to go with today, and that's why the subject. Okay, definition. First uh, Peter 2, 20, 20 and 21, if somebody would grab that. First Peter 2, yes, sir. 21. Yes, sir. But how is it, to your credit, that you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So we kind of given, I gave some definitions that I got, you know, from from uh, studying as far as to be mistreated, to suffer persecution on the account of something, uh, uh, to be pressed on uh, as somebody who's being hostile, that sort of thing. But here I think is the definition I came up with, very simple, that's just my <laughs> way of doing things, is uh, suffering for good. Is the definition is suffering for good Suffering for the call, suffering for Christ's sake. That's the definition I would, I would kind of give. And this verse talks about for, you know, if you're sinning and you're suffering, it's not persecution, okay? It's correction as a Christian, okay? Um, and we need to heed that. And I would, I would refer you to Revelations chapter 2 where he's talking to the churches, okay? And I think it's around verse 8. He says, what you need to do is remember from where you've come 
repent and do again the works you did before. Okay? So that's the process of, okay, and remembering where you were is, you know, is remembering who God is and what and who you are. Okay? And that's and then saying the same thing about your sin as God says. And then repenting, that's the and then redoing what you did. So you can see the 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 process of 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 uh, repentance there, and so getting a beating because you've done wrong. Well, that's you know what he's saying here is what's what's good is that you know um, you got what you deserve. But if you're doing good and you and you suffer in the sight of God, um, then um, then it's it's gracious. That's kind of a weird thing too. It's a, we read that it's a blessing. It's gracious. Um, God's, fine, God's favor rests upon you because you're you're handling it well. He's allowed it, and you're handling it well. So that's the definition. If um, if you turn over to thirteen, I had this comparison I wanted to do real quick, and you know what? Maybe I can just summarize it in chapter two, thirteen specifically 14, um, we're going to read 13 through 17, and then Acts uh, 4, it's 1 Peter, I'm sorry. So what, what 1 Peter talks about in there is he talks about submitting to authority, okay, and to rulers, and he talks about how the, the proper um, function of government and rulers is to, for the punishment of the evil and for the reward of the good, okay? So I just wanted to make a little, uh, a little comparison. And then what ends up happening in Acts chapter 4, which is kind of our case study if we can get to it. If not, I would encourage you to read Acts chapter 4 this afternoon. It won't take you but a few minutes, okay? But what happens there is Peter and John get called before the council. They just healed a man who had been lame from birth, okay? The lame man gets pulled into the council too, which is kind of interesting. Just all these little nuances. Okay, here's a guy who's been lame from birth, and they stand him up in the council. They're surrounded by people, okay? They're being kind of tried, okay? Here's a guy that's gone from being lame from birth to standing all day. That was a miracle. I mean, God, you know, not only did he, you know, he strengthened his legs. Have you, yeah, anyway, it just, uh, I thought it was kind of interesting. But, so the council says, hey, look, you got to stop this, this preaching in Christ's name. You're done. And they said, and they, these are the religious rulers of the day. They're the, you know, the Jewish leaders. And so Paul and John, or Peter and John, sorry, say to him, to, the, to these religious people, which is better? You decide. Should we listen to you or should we listen to God? Okay. So point there is persecution will come when government's not doing what, it, you know, the rulers are not doing what they should be doing as far as God-given purpose of government. But at that point when they directly tell us to go against the word of God, we have an obligation to listen to God before we listen to the to our rulers, whether that's our our, our employment, and that's where I kind of see some persecution coming for the Christian, is that they're forcing us to um, confirm and affirm positions that are non-Christian that we may start having to. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna affirm this, and so. Persecution, I think, is coming. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to make that um, point. So there's a definition. Um, and we've talked about why, and I, I didn't probably say it this way, but why is there persecution? Well, because somebody put it this way, sanctification drives animosity. Sanctification drives animosity. It's, and that's why I had you read the, those other verses in, in Peter there is that we are salt and light in the world. Salt purifies. Have you ever had a bad sore throat and you gargle really strong salt water? Not pleasant. Hurts, but it helps heal, right? 
And so you can see iron sharpening iron, we talk about that. What's implied there is friction. So when we're light and we're salt in the world, and even as we're sharpening one another, brother to brother, uh, you know, there's, you know, we have to realize that that may not be persecution, that may just be helping each other grow, right? But, you know, when, it, when you're in darkness, as John's talked about throughout the book of John, and we've been talking about, and somebody suddenly flips on the lights, you're like, oh. And that's kind of the reaction with, you know, you think about the flesh and the spirit. This, the flesh is hostile towards God, but we're in the spirit, okay? And so that's why, uh, why there's persecution. So um, let's look at some verses here. If somebody would grab, let's see. So somebody in 1 John, we got a couple of things there. And John, John 15, we just, you know, we've been. So 1 John, if somebody would grab 1 John 3, 11 through 15. 1 John 3, 11 through 15. Somebody grab John 15. The Gospel of John 15, 18 through 20. And, and again, whoever's in 1 Peter, the Peters and the Johns there. Um, 1 John 4, 3 through 4. Okay, who's got John um, 3? I got John 15. Okay. Uh, John 15, 18 through 20. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. If the world hates you, you know that it, it, it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Okay. So in that, we're getting a lot of different things about this, you know, God's called us out of this. is part of the calling. This is part of our, our Christian life. Um, you know, and men hate him, they, thus they're going to hate us. Okay. And I'm not trying to, to, we're not victims. Okay. This is not. This is not a, we're not being oppressed. We are living for Christ. And this is just, this is part of the life. So this is not, this is something to be actually very um, encouraged by. Okay. Somebody, have, who else has one of those verses? Did I give somebody John 3.19? If not, whoever has, John, you had John 15. Paul, would you get? Would you look at John three nineteen when you get a chance? You got what? John three nineteen. Okay, thank you. This is the verdict: Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because of their deeds were evil. Okay. Their deeds were evil. Right. So, I tell you what. I want, can you give me more context? You go 20, 16 to 21, just read the whole thing again, please. Because it. John 3, 16 through 21. Yeah. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Mm. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Okay. And so he was talking to Nicodemus, and that's where these verses come in. And he's talking about, um, yeah, uh, the condemnation was those who don't believe are condemned already. And what is the condemnation? Well, here's the verdict. Men love, men love darkness rather than light. That's why they stand condemned. 
is because they love um, the darkness rather than light. They don't want their deeds exposed. They don't want to admit, I mean, that's what it boils down to is pride. And we have to deal with that, and we have to deal with that when we come to Christ. We have to realize that we have a need. We have sin. We have to have a Savior. And they don't, and they don't want that. And you know what? That's, that's where we were. So we can't, you know, we can't expect, you know, and, and, be, and be pious or be like, oh, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian. And, you know, we were, we were that way as well. We didn't want to come into the light, but God drew us. And if he didn't draw us, we wouldn't have done it. We wouldn't have become, uh, you know, we wouldn't have been in him. So, and his Holy Spirit would not have uh, shown us our need for him. So, uh, let's see, what else did we get? Um, in 1 John 3, uh, 11 through 15, it talks about um, that, that we're, we're you know, and First John is written so that you may know that you have, you're in Christ, right? Is the, the, the purpose statement of First John in the last in the last chapter. And one of the things he talks about is how we love each other, and uh, he talks about Cain. He uses an example. He says, well, Cain killed his brother, and why did he do that? Because Cain's works were evil, and his brothers were were righteous. Okay, he did what God wanted him to produce the offering that Christ, that God had expressed to him that he wanted. Um, and then we talked about these other ones. Uh, did we go First Peter four, three through four? Yes, sir. Charlie. So, um, sanctification draws, and that's that whole drives animosity. They're surprised when you don't behave like them. Why aren't you draw? Why don't you join us? And then they convict them, and so then they they persecute. So we need to pick it up. Um, so first blank: persecution is a blessing. A blessing. Um, wow, we're going to have to cut some of this, I think. Um, I tell you what, let's read the, uh, you, you're all familiar with James and he talks about when various trials come and how that's a, a blessing and how it works, uh, steadfastness. And so I would encourage you to look these up later, but let's look at the, uh, the, the first Peter, uh, verses someone, please. And you can see First Peter's used numerous times, so just stay there when you get there. Um, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because experience the glory and of God rest upon you. If you're insulted because of Christ, it's you're blessed. The blessing. Uh, 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14. That's what he well, that was okay. Yeah. How about 2, 18 through 19? Sorry. Slaves, slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respects, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. So it's commendable if a man bears up under mistreatment because that man is being conscious of God. You can also see some of the stuff we're supposed to be doing, but you can see it's commendable. It's a blessing. It brings God's favor. Um, so that's that one. The next uh, blank is persecution is to be expected. It is part of our calling. Um, some can somebody grab? Oh, let's see. We've read John. That's why the underlying means that it, it, we've read it, um, but we can refer to it. Let's uh, First Peter, the same 
um, verse 21 of that same chapter. Or to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. Okay, so we're called to it, and Christ is given as our example. 314. Have no fear of them or be troubled. Um, it's, it's, it's to be expected. Um, is anybody still in John 15? I'd like to hear verse 20. I just wanted to, we've read it, but I wanted to focus in on this. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So it's to be expected. This is part of the Christian life. I think that may be a surprise to some people. Um, I would encourage if, you're, if you want to delve into some of these unrealized expectations of becoming a Christian, um, the cost, if you will, is to read um, the gospel according to Jesus um, and just how he evangelized people. It wasn't, hey, God's got a great purpose for you. He loves you. He wants what's good for you. Come to Jesus. He was very much like, okay, you trust in your wealth, the rich young man, rich young ruler. He said, go sell it all. Come and follow me. It wasn't because selling everything is what brings salvation. It was because he valued his stuff more than he valued God. So, John MacArthur. Yes, John MacArthur. So, um, Next blank. Okay, uh, Christ is our example. And we just read that, you know, in verse 20 how um, Christ was left as our example. The, we haven't read... First Peter two twenty two through twenty five. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but you have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. So there we have him again as our example, and we can see, and we'll talk about down here just how we're to, you know, to follow his example. Um, next blanks. Persecution purifies the church. And I'll tell you what the next one is in the, in the next blank. It's persecution propagates the church. And uh, so can... Uh, Let's look at Matthew 13, 20 and 21. Matthew 13. All right. Um, you got it? Okay, please. Yes, the what was sown on rocky ground. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself and endures for a while, and when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So what I was trying to get here is like, okay, so persecution will purify the church. Uh, when persecution comes, you're going to find that, and I, I've seen this over my lifetime in church, all of a sudden they're gone. Somebody that you thought was on fire for, for God, and, and God uses persecution and trials in the church to, to purify his church, okay? I mean, there you can go and, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not go down that rabbit trail. Um, but you've, you've seen it. And so while church splits and things are sometimes very difficult and hard to go through, and we've probably all been through them, uh, we need to, again, uh, trust that God is doing his work and allowing it and maybe one of the purposes is to purify the church. Um, go ahead, yes. Pruning. Right, pruning, exactly. That's where I was going to go. <laughs> um, 
but that yeah. Brings their own story. So Acts chapter um, eight and verse one talks about. Well, it it says that. Um, let's just go there. Acts eight one. This is where the persecution really kicked in, and this is right as um, James is being uh, stoned to death. Stephen. I'm sorry, Stephen. What did I, what did I say? James. James. Wow. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, Stephen's being stoned to death. Paul's standing there consenting to the death. And what does it say in verse 1? And there, were, there arose on that day a great persecution against the church of Jerusalem. And they, there were, okay, da, 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 da. and they all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. Verse 2, devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over them. That's an interesting phrase there, by the way. You're not allowed to, if, if the Jewish people sentenced you to death for, for um, what's the word I'm looking for? blasphemy, you weren't allowed to make lament over them, okay? Saul was, uh, uh, was ravishing the church and entered house after house, and he dragged women, uh, dragged men and women and committed them to prison. Now, I, I wanted to go to verse 4, yeah. Uh, now, those who were scattered, scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them, the Christ or the Messiah, okay? So, uh, which, you know, the Samaritans, Jesus, that's where he went and first proclaimed, I am the Messiah, okay? First publicly um, said that. So you can see they scattered. They didn't scatter and hunker down. They proclaimed the word of, the word of God wherever they went. So it propagates the church, yes? And we've been studying that <laughs> Saul, right. When he saw that stoning of Stephen, and that's when he started persecution and all of that. But how can yeah. we use that to bring him even to, to Christ? Yeah, and I think, you know, I'm sure that <laughs> that didn't depart from him throughout his ministry. Um, I'm, I, you know, all those people that he persecuted were in his mind as he was being persecuted. Okay? Um, I, I believe it, it drove him. Okay? So, you know, it's kind of the, what is it, Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, you know, we got such a cloud of witnesses, how can we, you know, how can we cower now, you know, and he had these people that he was personally involved with in, the, in their persecution, you know, I'm sure when he was feeling, he's like, you know, I'm just drinking in a little bit of the suffering of Christ, I am blessed, let's go, you know, um, so let's move on to, uh, well, how does persecution benefit? The discussion question is, how does persecution benefit the church? Uh, how, should this true, how should this truth shape our attitude towards suffering and persecution? Any, any thoughts on that? Uh, the dispersion of the church caused it to grow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think it does tend to clean up a lot of, Theology, yeah. you know, uh, I think people that believe a certain way will kind of stick together, and those that don't, they sort of disperse off, I think, and then they just sort of die away, yeah. which is a sort of pruning thought. Mm -hmm. Right. You know? Yeah, I, it, something that kind of comes to mind is like apostate, you know, it's like people who really were never saved, you know, they fall away from the church, and it's like they... Uh, they, uh, you know, they once maybe were even serving the Lord, and now they've turned their back on it. And I've seen that, unfortunately, way more than I ever wanted to see it. Um, people who were actually missionaries. I've got a number of friends who are missionaries that it's like, and I don't even think they go to church. If they go to church, they go to one that doesn't stand for much of anything and doesn't preach the word. Yes, Janet, you were going to say something. Persecution can unite, too. I mean, it, yeah. I think it, it well, Sorry. But it can unite because yeah. people come together. And yeah, and that's an important even part. Even unbelievers will do that. Like 
like in, in neighborhoods that where people you know are suffering or whatever usually a lot of those people either have good morals or they're they are christians yeah and, but but crisis will lead yeah. people to unite right to a common yeah front. yeah and that's one and of the more so for christians it right. should be that way yeah and that's one of the points of what we should do is not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, right? That verse that says that. And even more as we see the day approaching. Well, that's in the context. Of, I think that was Second uh, Timothy 3, right? I think um, where he's talking about in the last days, things are going to go from bad to worse. Okay? So what you're hearing in that whole thing, if you put it in context, is persecution's coming. So don't isolate yourself. Not a not a, uh, a prescription for success. Okay, come together, encourage each other to love and good works. Um, you know, and they in Acts uh, chapter four, I believe it is, where they had all things in common. Well, the, the reason they had all things in common wasn't that they were a socialist organization. They had love for one another. They had a common bond. They were the same family, and persecution was happening. And so they were helping each other. They had been excommunicated from the synagogue, right? So, and the synagogue was where trade happened. They lost their jobs, okay? They'd lost their livelihood. And so that's why the church, the New Testament early church, and I am not saying that we shouldn't be doing more of that today, okay? But that's why they were, they were ministering to each other and had all things in common, um, not just because there was persecution, but also because there was persecution. It wasn't so um, anything else on our thoughts about persecution in the church? Those are good points. That's what, yeah. Any thoughts or questions? Skepticism, anything at the moment? <laughs> yeah. All right. So what should we be doing? And we'll go through this fairly quickly. Um, so what should we be doing? Quietly and humbly rejoice in persecution. We've talked about this. We've read 1 Peter 2, 22 through 23. Um, you know, that's Christ. Um, he humbly and uh, quietly endured persecution. And he also would say he was doing this for the glory of his Father. Um, and he did that. And he did it unto death. Yes. And I, I would point out maybe also that, P, uh, that Paul was very much like, hey, you know, I'm coming up, I'm in trouble, I'm in, in persecution, not trouble, meaning, ah, what do I do? Okay. But he was like, hey, for me to live as Christ, meaning you all need me and I want to minister and I want to be here in, in, as a part of the church and part of the body of Christ. I, so me to live as Christ, but to die is gain. That's promotion. I, I, you know, I get, I'm in the, the presence of my Savior. Okay? I'm reunited with Jesus Christ, who knocked me you know, on my way to, to, where was he on his way to? Damascus, thank you. Blinded me. I get to see him again. Okay? So, no more persecution. And that Holy Spirit doesn't depart from me, so I, you know, he was never without him. But he's going to be reunited with him. So, uh, yeah. persecuting him as he lived every day. Right. Yeah. The thought of a glorified body must have really yeah. very attracted to him. Yeah. We don't know what that thorn in the flesh was, but we know that he had been beaten, he'd been stoned, he had he had some problems <laughs> physically. Okay. Um, so yeah. Um, next blank. Next blank. And I've lost my place, sorry. Uh, recognize the value of persecution. Recognize the value of persecution. Uh, you know what I think I'll just do? Uh, let's do Philippians 3, 8, 10, and then uh, 4, 21. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of surpassing work, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For this, his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, Him, 
and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Right. So he, this is Paul that we were just talking about. And he's like, I, I'm, I forget all that stuff that I used to bank on. Now I know the uh, fellowship of his suffering. I'm made like Christ to suffer. Um, so what happens in Philippians 4.21 maybe sounds weird, but go ahead and read 4.21. Yep. Well, what else? It goes on. Is that just 21? Is that all of 21? There. Especially those of Caesar's house. So the value of persecution, we fellowship with Christ and his suffering. Had, not, had Paul not been persecuted, had Paul not been brought before Caesar, the brethren of, the, of Caesar's household wouldn't be greeting anybody. They'd still be lost. Yeah, that's the importance of that verse, especially those that are of the house of Caesar. Okay, he, When he was in persecution, it was like, hey, just another, op- another new audience, another opportunity. I'm going to proclaim Christ. So you see the value of persecution. Persecution provides opportunities that, um, that you otherwise wouldn't have. The uh, sub-bullet there is persecution is a blessing. We've talked about that. Um, recognize the value of persecution. Okay. Um, gotten confused. I'm sorry. Persecution is a blessing. Uh, value the support of the body. That's what the next blank. Value is the blank. Value the support of the body. Um, let's go to Acts chapter 4, uh, 23 through 32, and we'll kind of maybe summarize this a little bit. We're doing okay. That's what I'll tell myself. Do you want me to read it 23 through? Um, hold on. Yeah, and I'll stop you. Okay. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the others had said to them. Okay. So this is, this is Peter and John, who have just been told, hey, don't preach anymore. When they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, and references back to Psalm 2, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves in, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak with God, the word of God with boldness. So what did they do when they got out of the out of in front of the council and being warned and all? They prayed and kept doing it. Kept doing it. They prayed with whom? Those that persecuted them. Yeah. They okay. So if we look at verse. Right. They went to their friends and reported what the priest, the chief priest, and, but yeah, they went back to preaching event, you know, right after that, but what they did is they left the council where they had been persecuted, and they went right to their church, if you will, right to their friends, and said, hey, look, this is, here's what happened, and what did the, what did the church do, or the, the brethren there, the friends, they, they praise God, Exactly. They recounted the sovereign will of God. They said, give these guys more boldness. Get them out there. Let's preach some more. Okay. So the value of the body in this persecution is incredibly important. You know, I'm sure they needed that, you know, 
they were already going to do it, but you know, having somebody come along you and say, yeah, this is right, you're doing the right thing, whether persecution comes or not, you're doing the right thing. They needed that affirmation, they needed that confirmation, but they also needed to be focused back on, on God and His sovereignty. Makes me think a little bit of Psalm 73 where Asaph is like, he loses sight of God. And he said, when I went back to the, to the temple, then I saw the way of the wicked, that their, their path is destruction. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They, they immediately went back and uh, every time I hear this, uh, this is uh, the light of the nation's reign. That's right out of Handel's Messiah, mm -hmm. who's quoting it right out of somebody in the Old Testament. I can't remember. And I think even in the Old Testament, this is quoted, and it's const like a yep. constant reminder of, hey, the Bible said we were going to get persecuted, and these people were going to do this, and yep. they did, yay! Yep. It's like what he's predicting is coming true, and yeah. it's exactly what he said was going to happen. That's great. That just tells me that God is in control and has already told me this is going to happen. Right. And, uh, and if he's control, if he's, he's in control of that. Yeah. I mean, there you God's go. in control of the persecution. Right. He's also in control of the good things. Right. And uh, so, because uh, it's just it's just like here in the church, yep. always go back to the scripture, and they're going back. Oh, look at this. Yep. Remember that? Remember yep. That? Isaiah or whoever it is, I can't. I don't have a my microscope, so I can't read the little thing where it's quoting it directly from. That's Nobody right. Else can tell me. I think it's an Isaiah. Verse yeah. Someplace. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, if he's if he's sovereign over this persecution, he's going to be sovereign he's over, he's to, over for my glorification. It's going to happen, mm -hmm. you know. So, what do we have to lose, right? Just remember it. And say, oh yeah. By the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's give you some blanks and uh, try to wrap this up a little bit. Um, let's see where are we at. Somebody help me. Okay. Yes. Pray for those who persecute you. Um, hold on. Okay. Pray for those who persecute you. Yes. Um, follow Christ's example. Be submissive. I'm just going to give these to you. Entrust yourself to God's sovereignty. Do not fear them. The verse there is, you know, um, talking about do not fear those that, that kill the body, but rather fear God who can destroy both body and soul in hell, which we've been saved from that second death, right? So we, we don't have that, but he's saying, hey, look, it's going to be bad for them. Um, we ought to have compassion and pray for them that they will be saved. And we need to proclaim the, the gospel to them because we were on our way to destruction. And so now our calling is to, to as many as people who, can, who will accept him as God's called to him, that we are presenting the gospel to ourselves and to them, okay? Um, you know, if you, uh, love God supremely is, is there and yield yourself to the Holy Spirit's control. So I think we've touched on many of these. Um, let's look at... You know, and there's so much more that could be said about love God supremely, but yield yourself to, you know... That's what walking in the Spirit is about and, and is growing in our love for Christ, letting His Word dwell in us richly, okay? Um, uh, so let's, let's look at Acts chapter 4, 8 when we're talking about the Holy Spirit. That's the, that's the, uh, the parallel we talked about on Friday. Remember being filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5, 18 and uh, let the Word of God dwell in you richly versus thir uh, Colossians 13, I'm sorry, Colossians 3, 16. Um, so that's the, how that 
we were talked about that and the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, that's how that happens is we're in God's word. Our love for him grows as we see him as he is high and exalted. And we see the character, the, 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 um, the characteristics of God. Somebody, what's the other word? Attribute. And some people call it attribute of God because God is one, but attributes of God. And we see that and we see who we are. And the fact that as Psalms 8 says, that God would even have thought of man. I know he created us, but he created the universe. And that was like his little finger work. Okay, like a finger painting for him. It was easy. But yet he has on planet Earth humans that he takes, and we're made in his image. And he takes thoughts of, and I, I didn't read it, we didn't read it, but he knows the hair, the number of hairs on our head. And he talks about how much he cares for us and how the, you know, a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground without him knowing it. But he loves us much more than that, okay? And so when we start getting a feel for that, it's like, I'm, whatever you want, Lord. If it's persecution, I'll go through it. You're going to have to help me, Holy Spirit, which means I got to be in your word, right? So anyway, let's look at uh, Acts chapter 4. <clears throat> Acts chapter 4 and verse 8. So this is, and I'd really encourage you to read chapter 4 this afternoon um, because you see um, Peter and, and, uh, and John there and how they dealt with the <clears throat> the council. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of, rulers of the people and elders, we are being examined this day for a good deed, is what he goes on and talks about. And he says, look, reason this man's standing here whole and healthy and on his own two feet when he's never stood on his own two feet in his whole life is because of Jesus Christ. And this is the Jesus Christ that you you killed, that God raised from the dead. And, and that's why we, we preach. And that's, you know. And so, but Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost. And there's another ver scripture verses there that are listed where it talks about, hey, when you come into persecution, don't take, you know, don't, I've got to prepare my argument. But if we're walking in the spirit, meaning the word of God is dwelling in us richly, you don't, he was saying, don't take thought. I'll give you, the Holy Spirit will call back, I mean, prep, prepare, you know, but what he's saying is don't worry and don't, you know, have to, um, you know, figure you've got to give some eloquent argument. I will give you the words you say, okay? So that's what Peter was walking in the Spirit. And our discussion question, maybe you can talk about that um, on your own, is... Uh, Explain how someone filled with the Holy Spirit, how someone is filled with the Holy Spirit and what it means. And then we've already kind of given it to you. It's dwelling, lit, yeah, letting the Word of God dwell in you richly. richly. Um, I would encourage you, you know, if you haven't, you're not part of the Forge on Friday. Ladies, those recordings are out there. Friday's was really good. Um, they're all really good. But um, again, continuing God's Word. It's interesting, we know, we know 2 Timothy 3 um, about the Word of God, 3, 16, 17. The, the Word of God is, uh, is, is God-breathed um, and is profitable for, um, for instruction, for correction, for righteousness. But it was in the, if you read the context there, Paul's telling Timothy, hey, persecution's coming. You're going to be under persecution what you need to do is be in God's Word. Be in the Scriptures that you've known as a young man that were able to bring you to righteousness. You need to be dwelling in that, okay? So uh, that was what that was. And then bold op uh, boldly use the opportunities you have to preach the gospel. I mean, you got Paul's example, but here in Acts chapter 4, you've got Peter and John giving the gospel. They'd gotten in trouble because they were doing this in the synagogue and healing people, and now they're in front of the council. So boldly use those. So I hope this is an encouragement to you. Um, I think it's something we're going to see more of, 
And, uh, I, you know, we shouldn't be surprised by it, and we should glory in it, and we should give God the glory for it, okay? So let's pray, and kept you a couple minutes, sorry, we'll, uh, I'll let you go, all right? <laughs> Father God, thank you for your love, thank you for choosing us, um, thank you for this church and the encouragement that we get uh, week in and week out, not only on Sundays, but throughout the week in small groups and and uh, just in uh, contacting one another. I just pray, Lord, that uh, we would see uh, persecution and trials as your word has, uh, has laid out uh, in front of us, Lord, that they are an opportunity to glorify you and to be conformed to your spirit's work, Lord. Uh, think of even Romans uh, 12:1, Lord, that we this is our reasonable service that we should not be conformed to this world, but that we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We'd ask that you do that this week. Hopefully, this would be a, a, an impetus to that that we would change our minds about the trials and persecutions that we're going through. Um, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.